Corner with the Brian Campbell. This is the Professional Wrestling Edition. Now me, I am well-dressed Nick Costos, and I gotta be honest, I missed everybody in New Orleans this weekend. Handsome Nick, well-dressed Nick, actually contemplated spending 900 bucks to take a flight from New York, where he was at a wedding this weekend, to New Orleans to be there with the In This Corner crew, with BC, with the Silver King, with all the fans, for WrestleMania 34. But at the last minute, he decided against it because handsome and well-dressed Nick had a feeling that he would be pissed off by the end of the night. And not pissed off because of what he saw in the ring, but pissed off because of what he saw in the crowd. We're going to get to that and so much more coming up. But remember, you can follow handsome Nick because he's good-looking. You can follow well-dressed Nick because his clothes are always on point and very expensive on Instagram at the Costos. And as always, I am joined by my tag team partners. First up, he's the man. He is the myth. He's the legend. He's currently wearing a tank top. He looks great. I'm watching him on Skype right now. The goatee is well manicured. No food hanging from the goatee. He looks great. Five o'clock shadow. Maybe he needs a shave. Maybe he doesn't. It's not for me to say. But what he is, is a great wrestling fan and commentator. The Silver King, Adam Silverstein. You should know just as well as anyone, this is a muscle shirt, not a tank top. Hey now. I, I love that from the Silver King. Silver King, I feel like my baby boy's all grown stuff. I absolutely <laughs> love it. And of course, I am also joined by the man whose name is on the market. Come on. He is the icon. Let's go. He is the main event. Bring it. He is the showstopper. My man. He is the whole effing show. One time. The bod that runs the pod. Stay hyped. It's the mask that guides the cast. Here we go. You know his name, damn it. He is the Brian Campbell. Oh. Yeah. BC, tell them what's on the podcast. Well, for the second straight week, the band is back together. So, fine listeners, you're going to want to do yourselves a favor and get some of this. I may not have got the memo that it's uh, Muscle Shirt Day at the ITC, uh, you know, wrestling podcast. But I am here just the same. We will address all of the fallout from the Raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania, along with going Greek for the well-dressed one's thoughts on Sunday's showcase of the Immortals. The Silver King and I will also begin to roll out some of those interviews we teased and collected over WrestleMania weekend at Radio Row and the Hall of Fame red carpet. A little bonus for your entertainment. So as you sit back and enjoy this week's ITC or catch up on a WrestleMania instant analysis show, from late Sunday, we remind you to pay it forward by heading on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Hit us with that five-star review. Now, look, I don't want a one-star review, not even a four-star review. I'm talking about five-time. Yeah, you better. But without any further ado, since we don't get him too often, let me hand the mic back over. For the only guy I want to send us into the main event, the one and only. Hello, ladies. Oh, yeah. He's got a libido larger than little Jimmy. And that right there is the real truth. Well-dressed, Nick Costos. Uh, before we get any further, I'd like to pay off that Booker T soundbite because I saw um, the Silver King mouthed it. So, Silver King, are you ready? Can you dig that? Suckers! Thank you very much. And you guys know, the listeners know, how we begin each and every show. 
we do so, Brian Campbell, with the main event. This is the main event. All right, so you take it from here. You yeah. guys play. Uh, you Feel guys play host here. And then feels we'll, like we'll old times. Up. Let's do a little. Yes. Let's do a little WWE roulette here with Nick Costos while we have him back. We're, we're gracious to to reunite, get the band back together. Nick, uh, the Silver King and I have given. Uh, you know, wait, wait. Who who named this? Vince McMahon, WWE roulette guy who doesn't like apparently drafts or tournaments. This is now the roulette segment. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. It's a belt. It's not a title. Anyway, uh, Nick Costos. Well, since we just did the Booker T thing, you know, Silver King always bets on black. Wow, that's true. Wow. That's how he likes his women and his coffee. And I'm, and I'm firm, firmly okay with that. All right. Hey, Nick, hey, listen, same. So all good. There it is right there. Nick, everyone's heard the Silver King and I react to WrestleMania. So give us your grade on WrestleMania 34. Top five, like like the BC's been saying. How did you react to this? You know, I, I think it might have been top five. It was it was very good. Um, Yeah, it's so tough. Here's the thing, right? I tweeted this. I don't know if you guys agree or not. It's so tough to compare WrestleManias of this era right now. And when I say era, I mean like like the, the like the 78 hour WrestleMania compared to like a three or three and a half hour show. It's so different now, right? Because the crowd is pooped. I mean, we were there last year in Orlando. You guys were there this year. I wasn't there this year. Last year in Orlando, I was exhausted by 10 o'clock. And look, I'm not 65 years old. Like I'm 34. I'm turning 35 in a few months. I was shot to you know what last year by like 10 o'clock. So I feel like it's so different. So it's so tough to to judge like this one compared to like WrestleMania 17 or some or some of the other really good ones that we've seen in the past. Seven is one of my all time favorites. The first one I ever watched. I know it's not like historically a great one, but that's what I compare it to. I really liked it. I thought as far as like the past five or six years go, maybe 28 might have been a little better just because that main event was so great. Brock 28? Was one. Nobody loves 28. Come on, it was pretty good. It wasn't well, great. Well, I, I was at 28, and 28 had the Triple H-Undertaker match when I legitimately thought Undertaker was going to lose. Mark out moment number one. And then The Rock beat Cena, and we were jumping up and down in the aisles, literally. So that, that was a huge mark out moment. So that's me personally. 30 was really good. The Daniel Bryan stuff, I was there for that one. I think that 34 might have been maybe a smidge better than 30 altogether. So this was a very, very, very good show. But let's be honest here. The final half of it disappointed, especially the final third. Final disappointed third, yeah. quite a bit. Well, yeah. what's, inter- what's interesting, BC, is you said so much last year that we were headed for an all-time WrestleMania for 33. Well, he was and wrong about that. I know you feel that way, but then we hit the midway point and it kind of teetered off. This year, even more so, we were headed for an all-time WrestleMania through our six. Yeah, we were headed toward then, the best WrestleMania ever this year. Whereas, like, ever. last year could have been one of the best. This year, we were on our way. The end zone was there. We were, we were, we were going to score. Right. And, and then... And, the, and spike the ball. Because it, it really was headed to be the best WrestleMania of all time. It was. It really is that last hour, too. Because they can start it early is fine. I don't mind that two-hour kickoff show. It's a lot of preview stuff. They had three matches. I mean, we talked about them. At least they were entertaining this year. And the rest of the show is fine starting at 7. But you can't end it at midnight. Not for all those kids. Not for a crowd that large. People want to get home. Uh, I'm not going to go down that road in that argument. It's long, but I- I'm fine this? with it that this? Ready, long. Ready, ready, screw the kids. Like, no, well, no, I don't mean it like that. I just mean you, you got to. It's about me, Brian. It's about me. You know what I don't want to do? Watch wrestling for eight hours straight. Because what, what happens is it's like, I forget what the, the fourth to last match was. One of maybe you guys will remember. Before the final three matches. The it was Daniel Nakamura Bryan match. was the fourth to last. Yeah, the Daniel. As that match is going on, and that match was not great, by the way. And because of the booking, I thought, was really terrible. You're wrong. It, was, it was good. It wasn't bad. It's a, Brian, what's not Brian, great mean? So we let's, waited three on. years to see Daniel Bryan in a And it was a very good match. 
minutes. It was it, horrible. It was. Oh, you see, this is where you get. This is where you get off on the wrong foot, Nick. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't okay, horrible. it wasn't it an A plus match. It was a solid B plus. Okay, I like I'm moving it. us off this because we have limited time with Nick. So let's keep no, going. It, it's not. It's not a B plus. But the point that I'm making here is, as that match is going on, I'm thinking we still got three matches left, and it's not that I'm excited for them. It's I'm exhausted. Like get the show over with already. I gotta watch for another 90 minutes now. So that's my issue with it, and that's why I feel like this era is so hard to judge. But all in all, obviously, it was a very good show. All right. The only other thing, Mania, I want to get your take on is specifically. The, the, the swerve booking in Reigns-Lesnar and how that played into the news Monday of, of Brock Lesnar re-signing with the company when we thought he was going. Nick, you know you know how much I like that. I, I mean, Vince Goddess and I love it. Were you in line with that? Were you in line with that thing? Because there's people that hate that main event, Nick, when I stand up for that main event because of the swerve. Now here and, and look, Twitter is an interesting medium. You can get your thoughts out there, but you can't really add nuance, right, to 280 characters, whatever it is. So I tweeted on Sunday night, and I got a tremendous response. Retweets, likes, replies, half people, I would say, agreeing with me, half saying really nasty things to me. And as long as you're tweeting me, I don't really care. At the Costos on Twitter, follow me, tweet me, even if you want to say bad things, all good. Um, What really bothered me about it is this, right? And I tweeted this. People are like, the match was boring. Do you know what it was, that main event? It was the same exact Brock Lesnar match that we've been watching for the past three years or so. And every single other time it happens, people really like it. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, it was just suplexes and Superman punches and spears and F5s. Guess what? Have you watched a Brock Lesnar match? Did you watch Brock against Cena at SummerSlam that everybody loved? Did you watch last year's Fatal 4-Way, Bri, that you and I were at, which was basically a series of finishers and false finishes? This is what Brock Lesnar does. The reason why you didn't like it, and I don't mean you guys, I mean the collective you, is because Roman Reigns is in it. And here's what pisses me off. The crowd ruined that main event. And I'm not saying it was a five-star classic. It was not Savage Steamboat. It was not Michael's Undertaker. But it was a good match, and it did not deserve that sort of reaction from the crowd. I thought that was a whiny, self-righteous crowd that was going to boo it no matter what the case was. And then people are like, oh, well, I don't like Brock Lesnar anymore. It's an interesting point, right? Because maybe the fans have finally turned on Brock. I think it's more the fact that it was Roman Reigns. Now, you want to boo WrestleMania 32 main event, Roman, Triple H. Bro, you said last week three and 3.75 stars. We have to have you drug tested for oh, that. Oh, no, I that stand, I stand, I stand <laughs> on that mountain. Match, boo that match, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I was there last year for a snooze fest of a main event, Reigns and Undertaker. You want to boo that main event? I'm down for it. I'm not saying fans can't boo. I'm saying boo it when it's bad. That wasn't bad. By all accounts, that should have been a match that got cheered and an ending that the Smarks and the IWC and the entitled, spoiled, whiny, self-righteous crowd that goes to WrestleMania and the night after WrestleMania that you should have loved because Roman Reigns lost and you still booted and you made asses out of yourself and you ruined it for all of us watching at home. Oh, wow. Wow. The fire. I had I had to hit the sound, but I got so fired up on that. Nick, you're right. And you know who else is wrong while, while we're here eviscerating fans? It's not something that the powers of positivity babyface BC does too often. But when Brock's announcement got when Brock's signing got announced, right, which doubled down on the you've been swerved factor, it doubled down that Dana White was obviously on board with that, too. Vince McMahon, everybody, Paul Heyman, who did a now you look back on Paul Heyman's interviews over the last week. It all makes a lot more sense. Everyone who's coming at me on Twitter going. You're actually celebrating this Brock Lesnar getting re-signed. I'm so mad at him. He's he's a part-timer. He's boring, blah, blah, blah. He's a heel. 
you're he's you're earning his hate. He, no, but, you're fueling him. He's a heel. These people are sick of him. He's his character is to be part time and make you mad that he still has the title. He no, is a no. successful heel right now. Like you got swerved and you're still getting swerved. Don't go. Don't do it. Don't do it to yourself, Silver King. Don't do it. People don't like Brock Lesnar and people don't like Roman Reigns for reasons that have nothing to do with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. That's what you don't realize. If Roman Reigns was never pushed to the gills, right, at 31 and, and, and Daniel Bryan was allowed to finish that Royal Rumble and either win it or didn't get eliminated three seconds after joining when he made his return and and, Bra- and uh, Roman Reigns didn't get pushed a year before he was ready for it, people have no reason to hate this guy. He's really good in the ring. He's much improved on the mic. The fans didn't give that match a chance from the second I was sitting in the crowd from the second that Roman Reigns' face was on the video package. Yeah, but that has nothing the first to do with image, what I just said, though. They, you you disagreed with me, but that has nothing to do with what I just said. No, no, I'm disagreeing with the Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Right, but everyone's, people, but, come, everyone's getting mad at Brock re-signing and that he's still in the title picture. He's a heel. You're supposed to get upset at him. Like, that's they're the sick whole of him. Thing. No, no, they're just sick of it. It's, look. When Brock Lesnar it's is an first- interesting point, Silver King. It really is because, like, there might actually be a sea change here right now, right? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But the but- reaction that I got, people are like, we're tired of Brock Lesnar and the Brock Lesnar style of matches. So I don't know. I personally think that it's because Reigns was involved. But it does go noted that a lot of people were saying, we're sick of Brock Lesnar. When Brock Lesnar had his first run with WWE, and I missed it. I'm, I'm just watching it now. He had a full move set because guess what? He's a former amateur wrestler, okay? He was able to speak on the mic and deliver promos. He one match to another was totally freaking different. Every it's not that Brock is a heel because he's part-time and all that. That's part of it. But like Nick said, every single match is the same and that's okay when you get the first time ever against Samoa Joe and the first time ever against Braun Strowman and a fatal four-way where anything can happen. But when you get Brock and Roman Reigns and you've already seen the match and you're not going to give Roman a chance from the get-go in the video package, they didn't watch two minutes of the match before booing. They booed before the match even started. It was doomed from the get-go. And the swerve, okay, yeah, he got us, sure. I mean, that's not enough to save it for me. It not. should be. This is the most predictable main event of all time. It should be enough because it was brilliant. I, I thought, the way I, I, they I did thought it. it was pretty good. And now oh, the and, fact and that by the way, you know what really and, and you, you, you know what you two schmucks have got to watch for and Robbie tell Robbie Snyder the same thing. You guys are ahead of the WWE Network broadcast. And I see Brian Campbell tweet. I guess Vince has still got it. Brock won. And then I see 10 seconds later, Brock won. Ruined my main event experience, Brian Campbell. I mean, and Robbie Snyder tweeting the next night about Bobby Lashley. Three minutes before hey, it actually happened. We're live, well, local, and late-breaking right there, all right? That's just where we are. But by the way, the whole idea that Brock Lesnar does the same match, that's not even true. Did you watch the AJ Styles match this year? That was the same match? That was match? the only one. That's the only one. That's, that's the only one. Come on. It was. It was the exception to the rule. Silver King's right. And I mean, no, I, I no. would disagree with him if he were wrong. And the reason, and because it's AJ Styles. But it's Silver King. Here's where you're wrong, right? We're talking, you're saying Brock's matches, full moveset? Bro, that was 15 years ago. Like, it's not like this was like two years ago. It's they've marginalized years ago. They've marginalized like, and, him. And, 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 and dude, it's not like he's Dwayne Johnson on the mic. There's a reason why Paul Heyman talks for him, because he's not that good. I mean, so maybe, and Silver King, I'll give you credit, bro, because you've been saying it for a while. You're sick of Brock Lesnar. Me and Bri have been dissenting. We like Brock Lesnar. Now, whether it could be a confluence of events, whether it's the part-time stuff finally catching up to him, whether it's the fact that he was packaged with Roman Reigns and everyone knew it was going to be the main event for a year, I do feel like now that the crowd is starting to turn on Lesnar. But here's where I agree with Brian. The crowd is going to turn on him, not in a way that 
They're like, we don't want to see you. The crowd is going to turn on him in a way as if to say, we want, we will pay money to see you lose. And yeah. that's where I so think that's WWE what, And win. that's what Vince wants because he wants you to cheer Roman. And I know that he struck out on this for many different reasons, but that's why they're trying to make Brock well, well, as well, despicable quick. as possible, though. Here, here's an important point. I feel like it's over. How many times have we said this? And this is just like in the Indus Corner era and like not even us fans beforehand. One year. It's over for Roman Reigns. It's over for Roman well, Reigns the, 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 in this current incarnation. It's no, no, no. Like it's four, not... no, four years, Brian. Okay, but what, what are you saying when you moment, say it's and over? And they still can't make it happen. He's got to turn. He's got to do right. something here because it is – how do you rehabilitate this? Great. They go to the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia, and he wins. All right, but here's why I disagree with that. And what happens the first draw that he comes back to the States? He gets booed out of the freaking building, and they're going to put him in a program with Joe? Who do you think the fans are going to cheer for, Samoa Joe or Roman Reigns? here's what we're missing here. They don't care. They're getting a reaction. They're, no one is like, we don't want to see you, Roman. We're just like, we don't want to see you as a good guy. But Vince is going to keep being stubborn and go back to the well until he gets it right. I know that we all know a heel turn is how you get it right, and he won't do it. But the point is, it's not over for him. Roman delivers in the ring. He's great. His matches are great. And he's getting huge reactions. And that's all that they care about. So it's going to be business as usual. Do you, do you know who are bigger faces after turning heel and then turning back to face? Everyone. Yeah, Literally, debate, everyone. Know, but you're going back to something that we all know and we all agree with. Vince is the only one that doesn't know it. But my point is, it doesn't mean that he's over with. He's still doing great, right? And getting great, re- getting great reactions. So it's almost like we got to get off that 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 hill because as long as Vince is at the controls, he's not going to do it. No, we don't have to get off the hill because we know it's best, and he apparently doesn't for his own company. Well, I don't want to go that far. This guy's silver is fired up right now. I mean, this guy. No, let's silver, let's silver king run WWE. What you should do, he'll, you know what he'll do? He'll take the actual wrestler, the Silver King, that I named him after, and we'll put Silver King at the main events. Right, he, will, he will be the United States champion, correct. Final question I have on Brock Lesnar is this. So we know he's going to rematch Roman, I think, in a cage in Saudi Arabia. And we also know from Monday night in that fantastic promo by Jusomo Joe in his return where he eviscerated oh Reigns, God, that, that, was, that, that Joe's getting Reigns awesome. at Paybacklash or whatever the next pay-per-view is. So my question to you guys, we're all, everyone... Just like 99.5% people said that Roman was winning clean at Mania, now 99.5% of people are saying Roman's going to win clean in Saudi Arabia. I'm saying I don't think he is, by the way, because do you know where Brock is approaching right now? CM Punk's sort of modern-day record for most consecutive days with the, with the, with the main title. It's I, a different belt, though. I, fine, like the but they care about that more than the WWE Championship, and they've shown that over the last year. So that's, that's what I'm well, saying. It's, it's only because it's, it's the Raw belt. I mean, but right. yeah. So, so for, our, so, so for so all intents and purposes— question. How long is Brock's contract for? Like, is it just for one more match? They haven't released those terms. So who the hell knows? Like, what I thought after WrestleMania was Brock's going to drop the belt on Raw. We swerved you to say that we swerved you, and now he's going to lose the belt, and he's going to go to UFC. I don't think... Okay, so I, I want to get through this because I got we don't have a ton of time, and I got a couple more things I want to hit. But this is important. So I actually felt... I don't know if I said it on the pod last week. I don't need the credit for it. I don't care. I said it to a couple people in the office. I felt like they were building towards a swerve because Dana and Vince are tight, right? Like we know that to be the case. Dana would not have come out the week before WrestleMania and said Brock was coming back, right? If it meant that, sorry, yes, I'm banging on the desk. I apologize. It sounds really terrible. I'm sorry. Um, That never would have happened. He wouldn't have submarined the main event of WrestleMania, torpedoed it because him and Vince are tight. It never would have happened. That's why I kind of felt like we got a swerve here. Now in the same breath though, Dana wouldn't say that unless it were going to happen, right? 
So like, uh, I don't know. Brian can talk to that. Yeah, there's an obvious deal here. I mean, and also, you know, sources and reports have come out since the Brock announcement that there's language in the con- contract in his WWE deal that he'll be allowed to, to essentially do one-offs with the UFC. So it's pretty obvious what's going on here. Dana sent that picture out at the right time, right, before Elimination Chamber because it coincided with the start of the Reigns Lesnar build. They wanted to paint Lesnar as a bad guy and to keep Brock happy. He's only going to be part-time with you, and you need to keep the door open for him to go to UFC. And I think he's waiting around for John Jones' drug test situation to try to figure out what super fight he's going to go into. Dana wants him to fight the winner, of course, of the heavyweight title fight between Cormier and Stephen Miocic in July. Obviously, Brock's got to finish his six month of his USADA drug suspension. So I just think that everybody's in cahoots. Because, Nick, let's not forget, 2016, when Brock went to UFC 200, that was a gamble and a half for Vince to allow Brock to do that. Because SummerSlam. Especially because he was roided up to the gills. And yeah. because SummerSlam was a month later. And let's say it again if Brock would have gotten knocked out by Mark Hunt, that would have been bad on how you book him moving forward. I think Dana owed Vince something in that regard. I always thought it would have been a financial handoff, but it seems like this was all in cahoots. Like, look. To keep Brock happy, both sides are going to have to work together. I think that's what they're going to do. Um, you're probably right. The greatest Royal Rumble, by the way, is going to be awesome. It's going to be a sick event. Undertaker Rusev just announced in a casket match. I don't know if you guys saw Rusev's tweet. He quote tweeted the WWE tweet announcing it and wrote, Bury me softly, brother. Love it. Love <laughs> which it. Is, Love which it. Is, which is just All right, Nick, we, we're running right, out of so time with you. you got yeah. a lot of passionate topics on your chest that you want the, the female listeners to hear. I mean, maybe the males, too. But what else you got for us? Um, all right, I got a couple things that I'm really, really hot on. I'll let you guys dive dive into the rest because there's a lot, obviously, heading into the shakeup next week. So you guys got a lot to get into. Um, first off, I said it last week. I don't know if I deserve a pat on the back for it because I felt it was really obvious. Anyone that thought the Rousey match was going to be bad at WrestleMania, like, is not paying attention. Like, they prob- they rehearsed that match probably a hundred times. It was going to be great, and it was great, and it was the best match on the card. And for me, as for what it was which was not Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25 or Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon for a ladder at WrestleMania 10. It was a five-star match. And I felt like out of all the McMahon WrestleMania matches, Vince versus Hogan, Vince versus Shane, Vince versus Brett was a calamity. That doesn't really count. I thought that this was the best one. I what The crowd was electric. I was marking out on my couch. I was laughing. To me, that's the mark of when I'm like, oh my God, like when I actually laugh when stuff happens because it's so good. Like when, when Rhonda picked Triple H up for the Samoa and the Fireman's Carry, I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like it was so freaking brilliant. It was unbelievable. Like it, it blew, I, my expectations were high, blew it out of the water. And Rhonda Rousey, let's not mince words here. Rhonda Rousey is a superstar, a superstar. It might be the most over person in the entire company. And I loved what you got on Monday Night Raw. I loved her going after Stephanie again. I think it's pretty clear what they're going to do here. Charlotte's going to move to Raw since she dropped the belt. You guys will get into that later. Charlotte, Carmella, cash yeah, in on SmackDown. Don't take food on off our night. plates here, Dick. All right, let's... So, so what they'll do now is keep Charlotte and Rousey on the same show. Maybe have them cross pass a couple times. Charlotte will be in the belt consideration. Rousey will be feuding with the authority. And I think this is going to build to the main event of WrestleMania 35 at MetLife Stadium of Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey. And I, for one, hope that that is the main event. The women deserve to main event WrestleMania. And if it's going to be any two women, Charlotte and Rousey. Because Rousey's awesome. And by the way, Charlotte Flair, her performance against Asuka was unreal at WrestleMania. That was the second best match on the card. 
And Charlotte Flair has become my all-around favorite performer in the company. So wow. kudos to wow. Charlotte Flair. All right, here's what I got to tell you. You're, you're, speaking, you're spitting all truth that, that, that everyone here agrees with, and that is but the dirt sheet rumor for next year's Mania. Who knows if it's true? Let me tell you this, though, okay? The Rousey thing, like I said, I, I think we got to see what she's going to do in singles. She was amazing. Everything was perfect, but that's the thing. Everything was perfect for her to succeed. I can't wait to see if she can rise to the occasion in singles feud. We'll find that. But I don't know how quickly, Nick, we're going to find that because Monday Night Raw's opening red-hot segment, which the fans, Silver King and I were there at the Smoothie King Center, were going off the charts when Rousey comes in, Stephanie McMahon's doing the fake nice thing, and Rousey puts her in another armbar. So that makes you think we're going in the women's version of Stone Cold versus Vince moving forward. Awesome. But here's the problem, though, that I had. I want to hear what your thought on this. She was unprovoked. This was a heel reaction from Ronda. Stephanie was basically saying, I know she's being disingenuous, but she's basically saying, we love you. We're, you're so popular. We can do everything with you now. You're great. Blah, blah, blah. This was, uh, this didn't really, as much as it was red hot and I enjoyed it, I laughed. I had a smile on my face. Psychology wise, I'm a little bit, yeah, what'd you take on that? It, just to interrupt real quick, it's the exact same thing Vince did with Austin. When Austin bested Vince, he said, he went to the ring. Hey, let's make nice. You know, I'll support you. We'll throw WWE behind you. And then Austin stunned him unprovoked. It's the exact well, same thing. It's a little different because if you go back and you watch the Raw after WrestleMania 14, Vince says to Austin, we can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way. And then Austin hit him with the stutter. A, li a little different. But Silver King, I think that your overall point is right because, it, Brian, it's the same exact thing. It's just women instead of men. Well, then that's like, the problem here. That's the problem. Okay. Why is it a problem? I'll tell you the Dude, problem. Here's the problem. No, I, I got the answer. I got the answer. You want the answer? I got the answer right now. You want the answer? I got the answer if you're going to let me say it. Here's the problem. Here's the difference. When Stone Cold became Stone Cold, he was a rule-breaking badass. He told Bible-touting Jake Roberts they could take his 316 and stuff it, right? Who's Rousey the first two months on the roster? America's sweetheart. Yes, she has a backbone when you push her, but she's America's sweetheart with that smile shaking fans' hands. So I'm not saying I didn't like the segment. It was fire. It was great. But it was a little bit of a leap to see her unprovoked just take out her boss. Yes, they had a she match. Man, everyone hates Stephanie. I'm like, just saying. Let's, I'm saying let's examine the psychology a little bit closer. That's what I'm saying. All right. Uh, uh, she's a different person. She's not. She's not exactly Steve Austin. Stephanie is not exactly Vince Which McMahon. Is why like, it's they're a, just this different is people. Why it's a little questionable. That's what I'm saying because it's. Right. Right. Here's the question. You were there. Did the crowd cheer when it happens? Did I just say I enjoyed it? I'm just saying. Can we That's address the psychology? Point, it's. It felt a little bit off. Like it didn't match up perfectly. I don't know way, what you guys uh, aren't hearing. There's truth coming out of my mouth. You're missing part of it and grabbing whatever you want to work with. Listen to the words. By the way, I'm not going to talk a lot about Rousey because you guys all heard it on the instant analysis in the last three weeks where I told you guys over and over and over again that she has it. But I will say this. Ronda Rousey got massive support from the New Orleans crowd on both shows. And that's contrary to a crowd that was kind of like 75-25 in her camp in the Raws leading up to WrestleMania. So that crowd... In New Orleans, which was fantastic, except for the main event of WrestleMania 34, the very last match, um, got Ronda Rousey more over than she had been entering it. True. Oh, it's red hot. It's, yeah. it's absolutely so red hot. I just, you know, I question the, the psychology moving forward. Apparently, nobody wants to actually address the actual topic, but that's fine. Let's move on, Nick. We got you for well, a couple more minutes. Here's the thing. It's like, who cares, though? Like, 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 what do you, cause here's, cause you're, you'll go, I loved it, but, I, but, but, but this was wrong, but you loved it. So who cares? Well, I'm the, not saying it's wrong. I'm all the saying problems what in direction WWE, are we going in? It's the smallest problem. I'm saying, what direction are we going in now? Are we going where this is a completely, you know, rehash of Steve Austin? Cause that's what it looked like. So it's more of just, you know, let's, let's take a well, closer look. Well, at well it. let me ask you this. Let's say that that's the case. 
do you hate it or do you like it? Uh, I love the energy. I love the crowd response. Because I, you know? I love it. Because I love it. Love it. Um, two things to hit in the next couple minutes. Um, from SmackDown Live. I can't even describe how much more I like Shinsuke Nakamura already as a heel yes. than I did as a face. His whole shtick, and he really hasn't changed anything. He's really the same exact performer that he was. His shtick is so much better as a heel. The histrionics, the hand movements, like the wink wink. How about the the, the line to Renee Young, me no speaky English, when she's asking him why he did it, was brilliant. Oh, you mean this one? Folded on top of brilliant. Sorry, no speak English. <laughs> Un- unbelievable. And now when Nakamura came out and hit Daniel Bryan with the Kinsasha and then hit AJ with it, I'm thinking, this is electric. And Nakamura has the opportunity to be a top-level heel. We said it all year. Nakamura never really connected with us, right? With any of the three of us, really. We like him. Well, they didn't fill in his backstory. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't call her in. You know what I mean? They just sort of threw, threw him at you. Now, I feel like there's something there. And you can see in like the way that he's embraced it that this is what he wants and where he's comfortable in his comfort zone as a performer. And I think that he's on the rocket ship now to the moon. And I am so, so into it. Nakamura By the way, as the bad guy. Live, his mania entrance, is, it, was, it was an all-timer. With the, with oh, my the, God. It was an all-timer. I mean, Absolutely. I was oh, I can't even imagine how cool that must have been in person. It was incredible. Um, and the last thing, before I get out of here, I was obsessed, obsessed with the Matt Hardy, Bray Wyatt, Jeff Hardy stuff on Raw. And, like, we've said it for how long? Like, Bray Wyatt's, it's over for Bray Wyatt. What are you going to do with Bray Wyatt? Here's the answer. You turn him face and you put him with Matt Hardy because they're freaking hilarious together. I want more wacky Matt. Like, move them to SmackDown, all three of them, Matt Hardy, Bray Wyatt, and Jeff Hardy, and let them be three of the focal points of the entire show every single week, and that will be a slam dunk because they are fun. How great was the Jeff Hardy thing when he comes over and you think he's regular Jeff Hardy and then he starts doing the Brother Nero voice and Bray hugs him and calls him Brother Nero and then Jeff turns around and Rollins and Finn are looking at him like, what was that? And he just shrugs and walks away. It was awesome. Just awesome. And please, WWE, please let Jeff Hardy be Brother Nero. Give them the ball and let these guys run with it. They saved Bray Wyatt. I'm really excited for Bray. I'm excited for Matt. I'm excited for Jeff. That is right now, with the exception of maybe Charlotte Flair, who I just told you I profess my undying love for, that is my favorite current thing. You know what? I like a lot of stuff right now. I love the Nakamura heel turn. I love the Wyatt Hardy stuff. I love the Charlotte stuff. I love the Rousey stuff. I'm into a lot of what WWE has given us right now. I'm into it. I kind of like the idea of Jeff almost having the split personality that he showed. So he can do both almost. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I, I agree. And give me more Ultimate Deletion-style stuff, please, because I really love it. And, you know, they had a little trial. You remember that one match Bray Wyatt had on Raw where he was a babyface and he closed it in a tag team and he was getting, like, he was doing the fiery comeback. It was about two years ago and, every, and he was doing the hands and everybody was like, imagine Bray as a, as a babyface. Like, he, this could be perfect. He's going to be amazing in this. And it kind of goes back to, like, Nakamura just became who we thought he could be by turning heel. Bray's becoming who we want him to be by turning face. Roman Reigns, go back to the wall one more time. You go heel, you got a slam dunk superstar, but Vince doesn't care. So that's that's the bottom line, you know? And everyone knows, by the way, where Nick can be found. You can find him on uh, Instagram and Twitter and slide into those DMs, ladies. Oh, man. DMs open for business. That's right. 
Nick, it was a pleasure to have your passion and your uh, your Greek yogurt just poured all over us right here. I mean, what <laughs> does that, what does appreciate that mean? it as always from the fans. Appreciate it always from you guys. What a great week of wrestling. And guys, here's what here's what the best part about it is. I am so fired up for the superstar shakeup next week. So WWE, you might not like some of the things that they did. I didn't. But bottom line, they're doing their job because I'm pumped to see what's coming up next. All right. Nick is out. Many thanks to the Costos. That's where you can find him on social media. Adam, I wanted to clean up on what he sort of teases. He was rapid fire spilling his hot takes on us. The Shinsuke Nakamura heel turn was obviously fantastic. That soundbite that we played was great. It was interesting what they did, though, with the main event on SmackDown. Because I thought SmackDown was a better post-mania than Raw. And I thought when they announced Styles Bryan, I'm really in that. You know that gray area I'm always in where it's like, this is a pay-per-view main event for, like, SummerSlam. What are you doing? And obviously, this is probably a tease that they're going to be on separate brands moving forward. But the fact that they hadn't actually met in a ring since Ring of Honor, since it was in, like, a high school gym, I went back and looked it up. It disappointed me, yet I'm enthralled to the TV. Negative shout-out to SmackDown for not giving us the live cut-in during commercials that they did earlier in the broadcast. But when we want it, they don't want You know, that's fine. I, th- I saw Brian show... New moves, a lot of Zack Sabre Jr. or Zack Sabre style, like joint manipulation. That was all great. I was glued to my TV seeing how it would end. How would they book this? Because it would have hurt either guy to take a loss. And then the Shinsuke thing, I actually thought was perfect. Did you like not only his performance and his delivery, but the timing to use him right there so that we don't have a winner in that dream match that I didn't want yet. I understand why they're doing it on SmackDown to get you in the building. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of had to know that was coming. To to address your earlier point, SmackDown wasn't just better than Raw. It was like, 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 I don't even have the word how much better it was than Raw. We were there for Raw, and there were a lot of returns, and it was cool, but I just was, like, left wanting more. To have a main event like the one on Raw, where it's just like a six-man tag the night after WrestleMania, like, what are you doing? That's how Meanwhile, uh, Meanwhile, SmackDown, which is, the booking's been god-awful for six months, gives us literally the three best wrestlers in the in, on the main roster basically in the ring at the same time to clo- I mean it's really tough to argue about that as Nick said the Nakamura heel turn it was done extremely well at WrestleMania although you kind of knew when he was on one knee that like why is he doing this it's kind of it's a it was a weird stance for him to be in right uh the backstage interview was fantastic and him interfering in the match and being so dastardly as he was was great I mean he he works as a heel I like the juxtaposition, but yeah, it definitely speaks to me, like you said, that one of these guys is going to Raw. And and it would seem weird for me for Daniel Bryan to be such a face on SmackDown, a brand that really, and, and we saw this on Tuesday night, it badly needs male singles wrestlers. And we're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. But for them to move him off seems weird. For well, them no, to move not, AJ Vince, Styles, Vince wants stars on Raw. We know that, so it, maybe it's not okay. That. But they have plenty. Okay, for, for for them to move AJ Styles off seems strange, yeah, considering he's literally been. We'll get to that in a second. Let's get to the this. marquee star. I know, I know, but but I think Nakamura. This is I'm getting back to Nakamura. I'm coming around the circle here. It, it leads me to believe that Nakamura might be the one because if they do go with Reigns, you have the Reigns Nakamura. As, oh. as the heel. You have some other guys. Three matches that you can make now that I hadn't even thought of with him as a so heel. Good. And him going to the going back to the well three, almost three times with the low blow punch, I thought was great because he's got that look on his face. like You I never see that. Like, I don't give a damn anymore. I'm, I'm going to punch you. In the, I got all these killer MMA strikes, but I'm going to go to the crotch just to, like, rub it in on you. All right. 
that's the first part of our wild and out of control main event. Look, that's what you get with a passionate man like like Nick Costos, right? Go date that guy. Go swipe right with that guy. You might get that same thing. It's a, it's a wild roller coaster ride, and that's why we love him. But I thought a giant thing that did happen on SmackDown this week that was worthy of the number two spot in our main event was Carmella cashing in finally on Charlotte Flair, winning the SmackDown Women's Championship following a strong debut from NXT Tag Team, the iconic duo now known as Iconic, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. Adam, I'm going to start right off and tell you this was an absolute slam dunk for the way they did this. And I know everybody's going to say, whoa, you, you just had Charlotte end Oscar's unbeaten streak and now you have her given it up to the money in the bank. Yes, you want to know why? Because winning the money in the bank and attempting to cash it in is a dastardly heelish move by somebody who could probably never win, in most cases, somebody who could probably never go head-to-head with a champion and win it anyway. It's a heel setup move to do when you catch a champion at their most vulnerable. So Charlotte Flair just ended Asuka's streak, and she's still the star. But Carmella doing it this way, because if Carmella cashes in against a weak champion, then it's just a weak reveal of the storyline. But if you're going to win Money in the Bank and you're going to lurk and wait around for the right time, you want to do it against a marquee champ. And by the way, it's not like Carmella's going to carry this belt for six, nine months, a year. I think it comes down to this. They want in the long term, and I've said this for more than a year and a half, Charlotte to keep piling up reigns, title reigns. She now has six total title reigns if you count Diva, Raw, and SmackDown, and, and the WWE Women's Championship. I think they're going to want to have her break the John Cena Ric Flair record, not John Cena. We all think John Cena is going to get 17 next year or whenever. I actually think they want Charlotte to do it. It's going to be a long term play. But yeah, I 2025, think, like when the hell is that going to well, happen? Well, it may not, you know, if she gets in a feud with somebody and trades the belt twice, well, there's two right there, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so <laughs> I think it's, Sure, she needs 10 more, though, not two. Like <laughs> I'm just saying, I think that would be part off. of their plan. And for everyone that sort of was like, why would they do this now? That's where it has the most impact to do it against a champion you would least expect when that champion is completely wiped out. All right, a couple things. One, it's the Iconics, plural, which is, which is just the I worst said. name. Yeah. It's just it's just worse. Uh, two, I still think John Cena ends Ric Flair's or, you know, exceeds his WWE listed, you know, title record. So I just want to get those out of the way before we actually discuss the topic at hand. Um, I, I don't hate it because it makes sense, right? You could have had Asuka win and Carmella cash it in on Asuka, which would would have given her a break, you know, in terms of losing it. So she doesn't suffer a quote unquote real defeat. But if you're going to end a winning streak, the person who ends it, it can't just be a fluke. It needs to be something that matters. So they gave Charlotte the rub for ending the streak and retaining the title. That was good. Then they had Carmella end the title reign, which to me, as Nick said earlier, it simply signals to me that Charlotte's going to Raw. Because if she's not going to Raw and next week, you know, finishes up and she stays on SmackDown, I am going to loathe this with the heat of a thousand suns it will be awful if she stays on smackdown however if she goes to raw you need a way to take the title off her and not give her the opportunity to win it back because otherwise it would make no sense whatsoever why would it make no sense let's let's think of kayfabe let's think of the kayfabe theory the the whoever has the money in the bank is always gonna have the upper hand because they can time it whenever so she wins it if they go into a feud now let's say even the iconics act as a buffer for Carmella. I don't know if we need another riot squad, but I'm just saying, what, what if they do that and Charlotte ends up in the end of the feud winning the title back? Where's the harm in that? That's sort of in kayfabe what's supposed to happen. It's a so, weaker person so un- won No, the no, no, because it's so unnecessary. She just beat Asuka and ended an undefeated streak. 
and she's good. That's she's gonna get beat up like that. And but then why in would kayfabe, you yell to holy hell? That's I would save your thunder for something that matters. Like her winning. That's what's supposed to happen in kayfabe. If somebody sneaks in and wins the belt on you, and you're a better champion, well then go and win it back. Yeah, but then in kayfabe, where's Naomi? Where's Becky Lynch? Where's her friend? She's getting pounded in the ring by the Iconics. And by the way, amazing debut for them. Yes. They did it in the ring. They did it on the mic. They did what the Riot Squad has not done for nine months or however long they've been there. Um, so kudos to them. I don't want that to get lost in this segment. They fully delivered, plus the zipper sound effect. Absolutely. Um, but no, this my opinion on this is fully contingent on Charlotte moving to Raw. I love it if that's the case. It makes sense. It gets it off her. doesn't really hurt her, so on and so forth. But if she stays on SmackDown, you could have just had them either do it to Asuka or you have to make her wait. Like. I don't know. Well, they don't do it to Asuka because Charlotte has a just chance to felt, main event. Listen, it felt, year, so. it just, here's the thing. It's not that it was bad booking because of, I, I do believe Charlotte's going to Raw. It just didn't feel right to see someone end Asuka's two-year winning streak and then drop the title to Carmella. If it was like a women's wrestler of the caliber of Dolph Ziggler who had it, right? If it was Naomi, if it was Becky Lynch, if it was even Ruby Riot or Natalia, okay. But it was Carmella. Well, I don't care if Lana has it. That's why you have money in the bank, though. That, that's why you've made that part of the storyline. So it can't happen. So like but I said, she's I, been irrelevant. But most money in the bank winners are not irrelevant. And she's basically irrelevant. As much as we like her personally and just character wise. And, and, you know, I obviously think she looks beautiful. OK, not counting all of that in terms of wrestling. It's like Lana doing it. She's better than Lana. I'm just saying she's closer to Lana than she is Charlotte. Well, she's going to be transitional. I don't know. I thought it was well done. I thought it was even well done that Kyoto was, like, taking forever to do it because yes, it like played that. in line with the recent failed teases. It's sort of like, cash it in. What are you doing, ref? Why are you holding this up? By the way, as much as we criticize storylines and booking and all this stuff recently, WWE's referees over the last, like, three months have been ridiculously good. Like, little things that people don't catch, especially on NXT, but really over on the main roster as well. They have been good and obviously he's the best you know yeah and smackdown was was great outside of uh by the way randy orton and uh gender getting back into a feud we don't have the time oh, oh, energy, i'm though. so excited for that uh, yeah, outside of, of that smackdown was great and i i thought this was one of the better cash-ins i i really enjoy it. it's not gonna be one we're gonna be talking about from years to come i just think the timing because the whole time you're like oh she's gonna fail i know she's gonna fail oh here she's gonna fail. oh the referee's gonna no she ends up winning it so i want to see like everybody else what happens next our third part of our main event adam i also want to see what happens next in this roster shakeup. A couple things are in play here. Superstar shakeup begins next week on Raw and SmackDown. We also saw the typical post-Mania NXT call-ups call on Raw, Authors of Pain, No Way Jose, and Ember Moon, and the Iconics that we mentioned on SmackDown, also Bobby Lashley on Raw. How did you feel overall about this year's, you know, group, this year's batch of first-timers? Honestly, I'm, I'm fuming about it. Like, I think it's ridiculous. Um... At least, base, best I can tell, they do the call-ups, they do Superstar Shake-Up, right, back-to-back, back, but the call-ups, I don't think, are eligible to switch, right? Like, they're not going to bring AOP onto Raw and then move them to SmackDown next week. So what they've done is they've given a show, and, and you mentioned this, right, but you also didn't mention, like, returns. Samoa Joe came back healthy, male singles performer, main event level. Jeff Hardy came back healthy, male singles performer, Used to be main event level, easily could be if they need, okay? No, no. They done, bring in Bobby Lashley, male singles performer, main event level. AOP, future Raw Tag Team Champions. No Way Jose, throwaway. Ember Moon, 
probably in the women's title picture, but we all know that she's probably not near the top of it, right? And then on SmackDown, they give them a women's tag team, which who I love. Okay, what are you but mad that's... about? They're gonna even out the rosters with the shakeup. Like, what's the... oh really, really? Who do you think SmackDown's gonna get? That's gonna even out that list of names of Bobby Lashley, AOP, uh, Jeff Hardy, and Samoa okay. Joe. Those, 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 those names aren't overly impressive. First of all, Joe could go for all we know. Okay, we probably not. But number two, that those names aren't overly impressive, and that's why I like it because they didn't pillage NXT. NXT is so hot, probably exceeding the deepest they've ever been. Like, we just saw at the TakeOver card. It was, it was amazing. I didn't want them to just take, like, Aleister Black and, and Almas off of there. They didn't. They actually of took... Course. AOP has already kind of worn out their welcome and done their run, right? No Way Jose is, is it kind of a joke call-up. He's going to be Ty Dillinger in two weeks. And Ember Moon, I didn't think she was ready, but that's fine. It, they, gave, they gave the brand that has an overload of male singles star performers at both the, the top card, main event card, and mid-card level. Three more. Now, granted, two of them were returns. It's a three-hour show, and we have no idea what it's going to look like next week. Ryan, they already have more, and they gave them three more. So even if they switch, even if it's coming, okay, yeah, but we said that last year, right? And then we saw how things shaked out over the last twelve months, and how awful SmackDown was because they had no one in the two main pictures for the mid card okay. and the main event. SmackDown they, wasn't they, awful last year because of the roster. Yes, it oh, was weakened from the 2016 run. It was awful because Jinder was in the main event and the booking was was horrific with welcoming committee and even KO and AJ getting buried. We talked about that. Like it's I know that and we have spoken about it, but things got stale and mundane because there were so few guys who were believable to be in that main event picture. They weren't gonna give look Rusev's over there, right? He's really over they were never going to put him in the main event. Yeah, but you're having like a preemptive coronary here. No, no, not, no, not because it's the, exa- it's the exact same thing that happened last year. It, it's it's just the same thing. Who we don't are know, they, Brian? The, dude, we don't. We have we have literally no idea who's going to SmackDown next because it's not the, yeah, like, no, so like no why crap. waste that? Why waste that emotion now on no. like like being so because you're, at, because you're asking me about it now number one and number two i foresee i'm nostradamus i see what wow. they're going to do man and wow. what i'm trying to and what, and what i'm trying to say is this okay there's and I, i've been trying to get this out for the last like three minutes there is no amount of people that they are going to move over to smackdown to make it work like who are they going to give smackdown and by the way not get people in return which they're going to to give them enough bodies to succeed in what we're asking right, them to do. After the initial draft, they did. They had it. I'm sorry. I know I know I'm going on a rant here. I, I'm pissed off right, about well, it. Let's okay? be really open and honest here, okay? What if they get Finn Balor? Okay, they get Finn that's Balor? one. Okay, what if they get uh Reigns? You're gonna give him Reigns? No, but they they could get one of the Miz or Rollins. They could Not Rollins, Rollins staying. Okay, they could get I mean they're probably not gonna get Samoa Joe now that they, they've teased Roman Reigns, but I guess my overall point is like you look at the roster, there's a lot of names right now. So if you think that no it's one's on one gonna team, switch hands on one brand. If you think that no one's gonna switch hands, that's that's crazy. Not that it's no one, but whenever someone goes to SmackDown, it's a one and one switch. They never just give SmackDown anything. After the draft, the initial draft two years ago, the rosters were pretty even and SmackDown dominated because they had the bodies to succeed in the mission. Last year, when they did the draft, we thought, oh, well, they gave them New Day and Charlotte, so that's okay. But what they did was they took the male superstars that were succeeding on SmackDown outside of AJ Styles, and they moved them back over to Raw, really the Miz being one of those key factors, right? He was someone on the mic who sold, and he you know, held the title, everything was going well. And they didn't give SmackDown the requisite stuff 
back. They gave them Charlotte, but they buried her. Okay, what they if gave we them get New Don Day Strowman? and New Day and New Day and the Usos had a great feud all year. Okay, but that was it. That's what all if they, they got. They send over Braun Strowman and Finn Balor and and I mean who's so the best? Shit's and the so, I mean, so so I have no doubt that Finn Balor will go over. Zero doubt. But you think Vince McMahon's going to send Samoa Joe or Braun Strowman over there? Well, somebody has to go over there to make it work. So why don't we wait and see what happens before we before we like? Because you're asking me about it a week early, so I'm giving you my opinion as of today. It was a little more than a little deeper than an opinion. That was that was a cry for help. But you know, <laughs> I thought it was an underwhelming call up. But like I said, I'm happy with that. I want to see what Lashley can do. We think we're getting Lashley Lesnar coming up, but maybe he goes to the SmackDown Live too. We have no idea what their plan is going to be. I, I think the name. So go, going back to that part where the part where I'm not pissed off. Um, the names were all correct. Like these were the right people to bring up. Jose, just like Elias, will be better on the main roster, even though he's not going to be great on the main roster. And to actually get into analysis of all these, if just really quickly, Bobby Lashley, squash Elias, whatever, that's fine. Like I'm interested to see what they do with him. No way, Jose. They've already ruined him with that Congo. He's line. Adam Rose. Yeah, this is ridiculous. It's it's really it's really ridiculous. But there's so there's some part to believe that if they make him a mixture of like Fandango and Adam Rose, that he's better in Vince's hands than Triple H's. But still, either way, your ceiling is like six months from now, you're basically a social outcast. So that's yeah, that's, that's it's fine. just unfortunate too because the guy like has a look. The gimmick is not it's not a world title gimmick, but not everyone can be like, you know, that's just how it is. But like I see the his ceiling being a full rivalry with Elias that Elias wins and then Noe Jose goes into the low card. And you know yeah. what I would like them to do in this shakeup? I would like them to give an overwhelming size women's strength on SmackDown. That's what I would like to see. Like, so like, I, I, yeah, that's possible. I mean, it, it is possible for that to happen. But Asuka comes over, you bring over. Sasha Banks, maybe like, you know, you just you really like overload that so that, yes, you're going to have your Rousey and Charlotte feuds in on Raw if that's the way it plays out. But yeah, I mean, that, then you slow build for, for a year there. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. A lot, lot to get to. Lot to there's get nothing to. there's nothing wrong with that. But if you do that, you need to introduce another title. You can't have like twice as many women on one show and on than the other and only have one title for them. All right. That is the main event in the books. Still a lot that will be revealed as we go. But hey, I was happy. I loved Mania. Altogether, I loved Raw and SmackDown. Raw was a little bit let down, but SmackDown brought it back for me. But now it's time, Adam, to get into Hero or Zero. You are a zero, my hero. Hey, new soundbite alert. Shout out to Ad High King Peter One AP. You heard him in the past on our pay-per-view rewind segment when he sent in that audio. He caught that on the intro to the 97 Survivor Series from HBK. So I wanted to give him the, uh, the we don't know if it's going to be a stickler, if it's going to stay, but a one-week shout out there to the Ad, Ad High King Peter One with the, with the soundbite there. Not bad at all. Uh, and I will start this off as I always do with UBC. Um, and I know that I pissed you off by going way too long on that uh, third part of the main event. So I'm going to let you Speak as long as you want here in Hero Zero. All right, number one, Cody, Kenny, Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor. We skipped it WrestleMania weekend. We just watched it within the last couple of days. You know what? There's a lot of different angles we could take here with it. Simple. Hero Zero, did it live up to your expectations? See, that's interesting because overall, I say it's a hero, but up to my expectations, I do say it's a zero. And this is just one of those situations where I had giant expectations. This was going up against NXT. This was the match, in theory, that I cared about the most coming in. Yes, I thought the ladder match was going to win out the weekend, and it did, but this was storyline-wise. Now, was it bad? No. 
was there awesome things about it? Yes. Cody and, and Brandy were dressing up in gold, like their own golden lovers, was great. The spot where hit a V-trigger on Brandy by accident, sending her crashing through the table, just like that Triple H and uh, Steph and Seth Rollins spot from last year's Mania was great. Even the ending with the confusion over the Young Bucks on who they were going to super kick, they end up getting Kenny. You saw it all play out on the 100th episode of Being the Elite afterwards. So storyline-wise, lot here i love the development what it told you was that this match is not a one-off this is you know they're going to continue to bigger things and i think they with cody getting the the sneaky win there i think they did that but it's a zero to my expectations and adam i think it's a zero it's hard to say this i think it's a zero to ring of honor because i know we all know that they're not on the level of njpw for sure in the idea of the revolution and 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 doing big business outside of wwe but this just did not have the buzz or the feel of the match that it actually was. And maybe that is the crowd. Maybe that's Ring of Honor. Maybe that's Cody and Kenny just not giving you the electricity of a potential five-star match that they do in NJPW regularly. Like that Abushi-Cody match in Wrestle Kingdom? Hot fire. Kenny versus almost anybody? Hot fire. I don't think they have a chemistry issue. I just think the fact that this wasn't even the main event. This was the co-main event of this card. Guys, this is the two biggest stars you have in your company of Ring of Honor. You're not closing the show with this. Are you kidding me? It just didn't have that five-star juice feel in the end. It was like four and a quarter, four and a half star in the end because really the storyline around it was fantastic. But the match just didn't live up to those expectations of what these two were capable of. And I think overall, some of that had to do with the ROH presentation. Adam, it's a hard comparison to make now because NXT is so good. But Ring of Honor is the NXT compared to NJPW's main roster WWE. And I think this, to me, really showcased that. Oh, my God. That is such an insult to NXT. It is. But you, you get you get the theory. Are you kidding me? But you get the theory of what I'm in theory of what I'm saying. It's the JV to that. OK, obviously, I just told you it didn't work. It's peewee. It's NXT peewee is, is, is what it is. Um, so think so. This is an audio podcast. We don't have the clip. So think about rounders right you have uh, kenny kgb finally beats mike he goes mike you know this is your revolution Ooh. you know just falling down that's what this was this is the revolution crumbling under its own expectations okay simply put this match was a zero it, it just was the mvp was brandy the mv this mvp number two the young bucks not the two guys in the ring wrestling okay this thing not live up to expectations it didn't come close and whether that's our fault for, for me finally buying in at the last minute, not to the quote-unquote revolution, but to this match and caring about it and saying, hey, maybe we should have gone to this card now. And, you know, I'm glad we didn't go, but maybe we should have. No. No. I was right. Barry Horowitz. I don't know if you hear yeah, that on the what mic. You, okay? What were you right about? That NXT was a better offer overall than this ROH? We all agreed to that. It's a better card No, but overall. it was far. No. Far beyond. Like, this thing disappointed in such a major way. Ring of Honor, in its infinite wisdom, didn't even make this the main event. It was the co-main event to Dalton freaking Castle. Are you kidding me? Now, you take now people give like Dave Meltzer crap. They say, hey, if this match was in Tokyo, it'd be five stars. You know, they make that joke about him. If this match was in NJPW, it would have been better because Ghetto would have booked it or at least had some involvement in it. And it just would have been on a higher scale. And guess what? These guys are going to fight again. And it might be an NJPW and it might be extremely good. But this zero wow wow uh, it definitely it it was comparative in a way to the way that styles and nakamura had giant expectations worse than that. what they delivered 
wasn't a bad match by any means. It just wasn't on the level that we thought. But, you know, slow the phone on, on the idea that the revolution has crumbled because of this one match. They just got outshined. Bottom line. All in September 1st, by the way, just added Kazuchika Okada. They also have the guy that I've just fallen in love with, and everybody's DMing me saying, how do you not know who Penta El Zero is or, or whatever? You know, he's got a couple different names there. You don't even know his name. <laughs> and, you know, we just saw him on, on the indie show, and I just fell in love with the guy. He is going all in. All, all our favorite Bullet Club guys, they're still going in the right direction, but this was this was a disappointment. So, Adam, Hero or Zero, number two to you. The Undertaker-Rusev casket match, as Nick mentioned earlier, has been added to the Greatest Royal Rumble card April 27th in Saudi Arabia. The promotion is kicking up nonstop now post-mania. But hero or zero to the idea that WWE may have bastardized its own WrestleMania booking to sort of point us forward to this giant money grab. Like, I can already hear the tweets coming in. Silver King, you're so negative. You're all the time. If you want to hear me be positive... Listen to the WrestleMania incident analysis where BC and I for 90 minutes basically marked out at WrestleMania and discussed how awesome it was with the exception of maybe like the Reigns, Lesnar and the crowd and so on. Okay, this show. Yes, I'm going to be negative. First of all, this match is a zero. Nick kind of alluded to my opinion here. They're literally going to bury Rusev in Saudi Arabia. Give me a freaking break. So the question, is this a bastardized money grab? You bet your ass it is. And that's why it's a zero, even though I guess technically the answer would be hero to that idea because that's what it is this is ridiculous the greatest royal rumble is literally getting out of control the only reason in my opinion vince mcmahon if you want to believe he changed or gave a swerve in the main event of wrestlemania is because he knew that the crowd in saudi arabia will cheer roman reigns when he beats brock lesnar for the title okay they're rerunning the intercontinental championship match as a ladder match adding samoa joe and putting ladders that's better They have John Cena going against Triple H, which whatever, okay, like you may not necessarily pop for that. It's going to be really good because those two can work. And it's a match where John Cena is actually advertised for having a match. You have Rusev and The Undertaker. Have they never met at Mania before? I'm trying to think of my my memory banks really quick. I don't think they've, if they did meet at Mania, I don't remember it. And Saudi Arabia is getting this for a non-pay-per-view network special. Like that's really bad. Man, I was on a roll. Yeah, I, mean, I was, I was going. Um, no, but you're right. It's, oh, WrestleMania 22. My bad. I forgot that in Chicago. Go but I think that's people. the last time they fought, though. So it's still so okay. So it's been like what 12 years? <laughs> like, like it's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, you have the U.S. title match, whatever. That's a throwaway. You have the SmackDown match, whatever. That's a throwaway. By the way, both those guys, the the guys who had the championships, didn't get rematches. They had to earn them. Extremely strange because they both both lost in triple threats. And then you have the Raw Tech and title match. And you have the greatest Royal Rumble, by the way, with Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Braun Strowman, Daniel Bryan, and a grand total of 50 people. We don't even know if there's anything on the line. And you might get AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura in a rematch. So is this a bastardization of WrestleMania? You bet your ass it was. Wow. Wow. Basically, Silver King's like, hey, Vince. Screw you! Screw you! How much how much are they paying WWE to make this happen? To To make this happen three weeks after WrestleMania with a rush build with a better card. Except for no women, obviously. It's not a I was gonna say it's not a better card, but there's parts of it, like you just mentioned, that are so strong. I mean a fifty man rumble? Oh man, yeah, I I, I, I don't even have anything to add because you just nailed it, but it's it's just it's so peculiar. That's the right it's not disappointing, it's just peculiar. It's like what the heck? 
is going on? What type of money? Like, there's money in the bank match. They should have a money in the sand match because there's that's where it's, <laughs> that's where it's all buried right now. I mean, are you kidding me? And by the way, anyone that follows boxing, there's always been rumors forever. Pacquiao is going to go to you know Dubai and fight this guy, and they're going to pay sixty million or whatever. Somebody finally came through with the money, and WWE is taking it. Like, wow. This is really the thing, right? I don't mind that they're going there. I, I don't like that it really goes against everything that they've been advertising with, like, supporting women, that they're just going to be like, that's eh, okay. We just won't have any women on the card because that's their politics. Like, whatever. So I don't like that, okay? But outside of that, I don't mind them going there. Um, but why do it three weeks after Mania? Why call it the greatest Royal Rumble and, and bastardize one of your signature shows? And why put on so – I understand they're paying a lot of money. Again, we don't know how much. It has to be ridiculous. But to put on this type of card three weeks after Mania. Okay, BC, number three here on Hero Zero. Paige showed up on SmackDown and replaced Daniel Bryan as the new general manager just one day after announcing her in-ring retirement on Raw that we were there for, and we weren't necessarily sure if it was in-ring or WWE as a whole. Hero or Zero to WWE making this move with Paige. Certainly a hero to the idea of what this really is, right? I mean, here's a girl that's like 25 years old that saw her career, which four, she had four years in WWE, and it was an amazing four years in terms of what she accomplished, you know, get, get just end like that. So to keep her on the staff, and you can argue they're keeping her on because of this movie with The Rock that they want to, that they want to publicize, you can argue that all you want. Keeping her on is a great move personally because here's a young person who's had some problems outside the ring and you want to see her life go in the right direction keeping her in the business is a great move i do have questions slash concerns from an entertainment standpoint on what this is going to look like unless they let her be sort of a dastardly healed gm who's going to like feud with shane mcmahon and sort of favor certain people and make problems she has that personality to do that if they don't and she's just the sunny british gm uh, it could end up being a, a zero I have no concerns about Paige um, playing characters, whether they want her to be a face, to be a heel, to change on a dime. Um, she brought the, her first move was making, obviously, that main event. Again, this is kayfabe, obviously. Her first move was making that, that main event, which appeals to fans, and bringing in a heel women's team, which you would say doesn't appeal to fans because they beat down Charlotte, right? So right now she's 50-50, uh, but working in concert with Shane, Shane McMahon, what I would like to see, honestly, is Shane kind of take a step back because as long as he is there on the show, it, it the dynamic works with Stephanie and, and Kurt Angle because Stephanie owns the company. And, and we know that Shane doesn't, even though they kind of portend that he does a little bit, um, you know, on air. But I would like to see Sh Shane really take a step back, which I think he's going to considering the health issues and actually give Paige the opportunity to run a show. And she's the second woman ever except you know after vicky guerrero and right to ever have this kind of role i mean if you, again not counting stephanie i love it um and i think it does play into the idea i think it does play into the idea of adding more women to that show and having it be women heavy which i really don't have a problem with it as long as they just don't go too far to the extreme so it's a hero for me absolutely let, let her feud uh, not not rewrite the uh rousey stephanie mcmahon situation but let her you know, the, the best thing that she does is be a, uh, is a heel on the mic. So let her be that to certain women and have sort of feuds that way. If we can't get pay, a payoff of Paige in the ring, then let that payoff be her sort of double-crossing people. I, I would feel good with that moving forward. Adam, hero or zero, number four, Braun Strowman and Nicholas relinquished the Raw Tag Team Belts one night after winning them from the bar at WrestleMania because of fourth grade. 
hero or zero to now being vacant Raw Tag Team Championships? Zero. You're just gonna leave it right there. Just put the zero out there. I mean, what do I need? I mean, I can repeat my point from from the incident analysis. Um, this is ridiculous. The fact that they took the titles off two dudes in Cesaro and Sheamus, who have worked their behinds off. I don't know why I'm saying behind when I said ass earlier. Worked their asses off for a calendar year, and they jobbed them out to Braun Strowman and Nicholas. If it was just Braun Strowman and it was a real match and a good match, I wouldn't have had a problem with it, especially if he. Could, continues carrying the titles but they job them out and then have braun vacate the title so now twice they've had someone win a title in wwe the other one being the united states championship and then the next day or two days later technically for dolph just give it up zero wwe treats the titles like crap this was ridiculous the move at wrestlemania while fun for the crowd and i guess for some of the audience at home lasted too long was ridiculous so again, back to the initial word, zero. Well, wow, you're taking a lot of stuff a little too seriously today. I mean, look, the Nicholas, we were in the arena Monday night. How could you argue Nicholas? The, 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 the He's over. Nicholas absurd. is over. So at this point, I'm just sort of like, it's better that they did take off the belts. This is a one-time only, this is the equivalent of John Cena proposing to Nikki. We don't want Braun with the tag belt anyway. We want him pointing forward to the main belts. So if he does go to SmackDown, maybe he can win the WWE Championship. So I'm saying this would free him up to do so. And of story. Uh, I, so this is a hero? That they gave him up? Yeah. That they gave him up, it's a hero. It is. Straight up. <sighs> the whole thing's a zero. Alright. BC, let's close out Hero Zero here. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn show up on Raw, meet up with general manager Kurt Angle, and ask for their jobs back. The result, Angle says, yeah, we don't have tag team spots, but we do have a single spot. Why don't you guys go one-on-one in the ma- not the main event, in the, not the main event, the penultimate match on the show. Uh, ended up a double countout. Hero Zero to the angle they're currently running with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and the finish Monday night on Raw. I mean, it's a major zero that it wasn't the main event because that house show main event just didn't get it done. Outside of that, I think it's a wait and see. I'm going to say it's a hero. I think it's interesting what they're doing here. The fact that with the superstar shakeup coming up, these guys are out of a job. They had a chance to work themselves into one on Raw and they essentially, you know, it was a push. They both came up empty. Is there any chance that these guys could go to NXT? Is there any chance that Sami Zayn could show up on 205 Live and, and, and inflict a, a needle of, of, of you know, performance-enhancing audio into there and just sort of, you know, hit lightning strike? I'm not saying I want either of these guys in that long term, but sometimes it's fun to take a storyline and let it play out for six, nine, you know, six months or see where it's going right now. The main roster is so overloaded. If this leads to that, I think it would be fun. I think we all want to see main roster people go back to NXT like we constantly talk about, like we ask Triple H almost every time we interview him. I'm going to say it's an incident complete. Let's see where it's going. I, but the fact is they lost. I don't want to see them back on SmackDown Live next week. They don't have a job. They didn't win one Monday. I'm open to where this is going. Uh, the segment backstage with Kurt Angle and the throwaway line at TNA, hero. The match, hero. The storyline, hero. In other words, I'm ending this on a high note. I love what they're doing with these two. Whether they wind up in NXT, which would be really fun, especially if they give them like, one TV taping. So they're on four episodes, right? And you're like, wow, they are back. And then something happens and they make it back to the main roster. So they just need to tease it and do something different. I think it's extremely unique. I love that Kurt Angle didn't say, well, this is a former world champion and, and a really good wrestler. I'd love to have you back on the show, right? That was smart. Um, I think something could transpire really next week at the Superstar Shakeup where 
guys and women move around and all this stuff happens and they're sitting there kind of like Heath Slater at the end of the draft or whatever it was. And just like, well, where, where are we guys? Like no one wants us. Like we're, we're still somewhat under contract here. Um, I think it's great. And for me, like I said, hero, they, they, as bad as the angle was on SmackDown for the last six months, if this is the savior of it, I like it. Or maybe it was just because they were on Raw and weren't being written on SmackDown. Shout out to Michael Cunningham at PSK102, who who did actually offer a DM slide similar to this about the idea of them going to NXT. We don't have time for DM slides today with everything going on in the show, Adam. But shout out to Michael for a good one right there. We did get a lot of them post-Mania. We will hear from you again. One thing we do want to do, Adam, is start releasing some of the sound that we have acquired over our time at WrestleMania weekend. Shout out to WWE for the opportunities to sit down with so many superstars at Radio Row, later at the Hall of Fame red carpet. We want to play a trio of sound this week from NXT's Johnny Gargano, from former NXT Women's Champion Ember Moon, and from the one superstar who is not like most girls, Nia Jax. Let's hear it. Enjoy. Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano sitting out down from us. Johnny, it's a pleasure to ch- to chat with you. Thank but you. It, but I mean, I don't even want to waste time with pleasantries. I just want to talk to you about about the Great War, not not you know, not Matt, <laughs> Matt, not Matt Hardy's Great War. Oh. But when you talk about the the Great Blood feuds, I mean, what you're doing with Tommaso Ciampa is is giving us those feels. So, comparison to things in your career, is this the most intense thing you've ever been a part of? I'd I'd say 110. Uh, percent I haven't been a part of something as personal as this. Uh, like I think I I said in an interview that you know. Sometimes I always go out there and I want to put my best foot forward. And obviously the goal is to put on a match that people are never going to forget. Uh, my match with Andrade Cien Almas, I mean, it was a five-star match. Uh, I'm not looking for a five-star match with this one. I'm just looking to go out there and beat the hell out of them. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's an unsanctioned match. Anything goes. And you get the kind of uh, a guy who, like you said, is my former best friend my former tag team partner, a guy that organically we grew together and created DIY and uh, to have him tear it all down, rip it apart. Uh, He's a dirtbag. He is. He is. He is. He's a very evil human being and uh, he will get what's coming to him on Saturday night. (laughs) All right. When he turned on you at the NXT takeover, I believe that was Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yep. Look, it it had a barbershop window moment. Do you ever sit in that moment and go, this could be that to this generation. This could be the reference point for best friends turning turning evil. That's crazy you say that because like I like as my childhood the barbershop window was such a huge monumental moment and uh, I I don't think about things that way. Uh I I am one of those types of people that I do something and then like years down the line I'm like oh that was pretty cool. Uh when I'm in the moment I don't think it's special. I don't think it's probably even good. Uh, I'm not a fan of any of my own matches, any of my own work. I, I'm my own worst critic. Uh, but when people say that to me, uh, it's wild. And, and like all of this is still so. I'd say I've been wrestling for over 13 years, but all of this is still so new to me. Um, like coming around access and seeing, like you said, like like there's the Undertaker and Randy Orton and Triple H and Shawn Michaels, and then there's a picture of me hanging up with them. Like that doesn't make sense to me at all. Like in little Johnny Gargano, like little eight year old Johnny Gargano's mind, like he should be here as a fan, but I'm here as a performer and uh it's mind blowing. So that stuff isn't lost on me. What would you say so we we ask this to a lot of people, but fans are going nuts for you in NXT right now and WWE fans as a whole. What do you attribute it to? Because obviously the storyline plays in, into it, but what about you do you think they are latching on to? I'm just real. Uh, I'm me. 
there's nothing fake about uh, anything I say or anything I do. Uh, the thing about me is I remember what it's like to be a wrestling fan. Um, I remember the little things. I remember things that as a fan would make me react, would make me go, oh, that's really cool. Uh, that's why whenever I see fans waiting in airports or fans waiting outside or fans like that, I always make sure to go up and say hi to them because I know as a fan that would have meant the world to me. And uh, I think, you know, I, I'm an undersized guy. I, I undersized for, I guess, this, this business. And uh, people see me, they see the ultimate underdog. Um, and I think it helps that I've been wrestling for 13 years. A lot of these fans, a lot of the NXT fans, um, have been along with me on this journey. Uh, they saw me when I was wrestling in front of 50 people. Uh, they saw me when I was wrestling in front of 250 people. And now they're going to see me wrestling in front of 18,000 people. I was the guy that always dreamed of being WWE, but you'd always see him and say, ah, but he's just not, he's not quite big enough. But I, I'd really love to see Johnny get a shot. Johnny got a shot. Johnny's here, and they feel like you know we're gonna we're gonna push him through that door. And uh, following up on that, there's a lot of let's call them independent wrestlers right now who are weighing a tough decision. And maybe there's WWE interest, maybe there's not. But they have to make a decision: Do I make that move and go to the number one company in the world, or do I try to maintain some more freedom, whether it's with scheduling, whether it's with character storyline, etc., and remain independent? If someone's sitting on that fence. As maybe you were, you know, a couple of years ago. What would you say to them? What What has WWE been like for you? I, I mean, I I love independent wrestling. I always have, and I always will. Uh, but I know, as a child, I grew up watching WWE. Um, the moments and the memories that WWE created is what I remember the most as a wrestling fan. And uh, my dream, obviously, is to be a part of WrestleMania, to be a part of WrestleMania weekend. And yes, you can do that, and I've done that multiple years on the Indies. But to be here at Access and be a part of this company, uh, a company that like, I, I know I sound like a, a real great company rah rah guy, but <laughs> like this is the best company in the world. Uh, NXT has the best talent roster in the world. Uh, the we card- say on the show that NXT is the best promote, the best brand, the best it promotion is. in it all is. of wrestling. It is. I I, I have. Like it, it blows my mind how good everyone actually is, and, and like I said, it's guys like me who've been traveling the world for a very, very long time who finally get the shot to work for this company. Um, but when I wrestled on the indies, I always, and if I can say anything to like fellow indie wrestlers or guys like that who are undecided, um, my goal was to kind of go the Daniel Bryan route, the CM Punk route, where you do everything you possibly could on the indies, and then when you feel like you've fulfilled, you've done everything you can, then you come here and. Uh, that was my goal. I felt like I accomplished a lot. I accomplished everything I did. I wrestled on the Indies for over 10 years, and now I want to be a part of this company. And uh, I can't wait to walk around Access and go in the WWE Superstore and uh, look at all the merchandise. And just like it's just just such a, it's bigger than all of us, and it's just so cool to be a part of. Or right, you mentioned that match at Takeover Philadelphia with Cien Almas, which. Look, we all we all want to react to everything that happens to say, well, that's the 15th best match in WWE history. <laughs> but look, when that one happened, we're like, I don't think you could say that's not the best match in NXT history. I mean, it really connected. It hit us right in the field spot, as we like to say on this show. We had more Ronaldo on last week. He gushed over it. Is there a moment in that match where I know you're not calculating percentages of stars, yeah. but maybe where you feel the crowd or maybe when you get through a sequence where, it, where it's triggering, you're going... This might be something truly special. Not just a really good match. This could be that. Literally never. Not once. <laughs> it's wild. Because everyone's always like, oh, man, you must have felt that. Like, 
I feel like I have a good, pretty good gauge of the crowd, and it felt like, oh, they were very invested in what we were doing. They were very into me. They were very emotionally invested. They wanted to see me succeed, and I was like, oh, that's a job well done. I'm doing my job. Uh, but at no point did I think, oh, that was the like, like you said, the best match in NXT history. Because for me, I'm just like, I'm just doing what I do, and like people, like people will say, like, oh man, like, like, like. Luckily, we had a lot of time. We had like, like. I've been wrestling 30-minute matches for a very, very long time. So for me, they're like, oh, man, you wrestled for 30 minutes. I'm like, I've been doing that in front of, like, 50 people for a very, very long time. Uh, now to get to do it in front of 15,000 people with the different camera angles and a guy like Mauro Ranallo calling it and telling my story, like, it makes life so much easier on me. <laughs> so I was just doing what I do, all the different aspects and all the people around me, the great production staff we have, the great crew we have, the atmosphere, the building, like that's what made the match. Like I was just, I just did my thing. All right. We, uh, we gush or I gush how good that cruiserweight classic was. Yep. I mean, talking to Moro last week, we had a whole little segment playing sound of him going sick during a match. <laughs> and he referenced back to your match with, with Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, that's the, the, origin of where we are now outside of the fact that you guys teamed up that for that tournament you, you, you went on separate sides of the line yeah. did, so that matches up by the way for a short one is an instant classic so we'll put Thank that on you. the way but i want to ask you this did you know in that moment when you guys were putting it on that it would end two years later or not end but that you would get to this point take over flood feud against each other i look i mean you can always hope for things you can always say like oh this would be best case scenario this would be something that could be able to work out i think uh, when that match happened, a lot of people saw that match. And you look at a guy like Tommaso, and you look at a guy like me, we're pretty much polar opposites. Uh, like, you look at him, and he's he's a mean-looking, evil person. <laughs> and you look at me, like, I'm just, I'm babyface, I guess. Uh, and you, you see the two of us together, and you're like, that would be a perfect pairing. And I think that's what made DIY so special, is we were polar opposites, but we grew together as one, and we created something special together. Uh, and I think that's why it made people, I guess it ripped people's hearts out when DIY was finally over because they, they were fully invested. They were all in. And uh, for Tommaso to take that away from them, uh, I mean, we, we, we've had a couple encounters on the indies and it's always been good. Uh, our Cruiserweight Classic match was something special, like you said. That's just, that was yeah. <laughs> uh, trust me, he's, he's, he, he hits hard. Uh, but... You know, I I think we haven't even scratched the surface of what we're able to do yet. All right, it's been a pleasure, Johnny Gargano. This feud has been a pleasure to watch. But best of continued success. You are you're living the life of the baby sister, baby face, <laughs> not, the ultimate baby face in and out of the ring. Thanks so much for your Thank time. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Ember Moon, I'm so happy to talk to you because you've taken NXT Women's Division by storm. But I want to say you've taken my heart as a wrestling <laughs> fan by storm. I'm going to take you back to Brooklyn okay. last year against Asuka. Yes, I thought you were this prospect on the rise. But you became who you are now that night for me. How pivotal important was that match? Because I think that's the best match we've seen WWE women since the, the glory days of the of the four horsewomen just, you know, four years ago. <laughs> um, a lot of emotions were going through that. Um, coming out of Takeover Orlando where Asuka cheated, pushed the ref into the ropes. Like I really thought that I had her number and I really thought that, oh, if she had to do that, that must mean I can do it, you know? And then um Man, it was a long road coming from Chicago all the way to Brooklyn 2. Um, sorry, Brooklyn 3. Sorry. And it, it's crazy because I remember after taking the loss and 
just like sitting there and thinking that the world was over but then like this miraculous like moment happened where the wwe universe like embraced me as one of their own like they were like okay we love you and i got my first like standing ovation in wwe and like just feeling that energy like there was nothing to be mad about there was nothing to be sad about like i gave it my all and the only thing i really wanted to do after that point was give the wwe universe something in return well you you certainly did with that effort and and the title reign you put together after that what do you think you've learned though from that time working with with oscar who is is feels like an all-timer yeah that 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 you're going to be able to take with your career and build upon you um it's weird because like Asuka was this big superstar over in Japan on the independent scene and I was the big superstar over in America. Um, so always we, we always knew our crosses paths would cross. Sorry, I'm so tongue tied this morning. This never it's happens. Fun. And um, just going from that and just I, I would like to think that the one thing that I did learn is not to go head first into something. Um, and not be mm, I guess cautious. Um, I have this crazy lack of fear for bodily concern. Um, <laughs> Good so, profession for that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, perfect. But sometimes I get a little headstrong, and I'm like, once I get an idea in my head, like, I don't think of any other consequences. But now it's become a thing, especially being the NXT Women's Champion, that I have to see every single angle there. And um, I guess prepare myself for everything and every aspect of everything. I hear you. I hear you. I want to talk about this finishing move because I love it. And I've talked to you <laughs> in the past, and you told me it had a very, very cool name before it became the Eclipse. Can oh, you share with our listeners? Um, sure. Um, <laughs> it's ooh, it's not very PG, so I've warned people ahead of time. So when I first started doing the Eclipse, formerly known as the O-Face, yes. um, it was a move created by one of my friends who did a not PG gimmick um, or had a non PG character. And at that time, I did not know the meaning of said word. I'm not going to say the meaning of said word, but just know it's the eclipse now. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it took a long time to master. I'm still working out kinks in it here and there. Um, I would like to think that it's almost perfected. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's crazy how much it it means so much to me in like a really weird intimate way as a performer um you know i always pride myself on doing things that no other woman would do and now it's like i'm in ww i'm a ww superstar and i do things that even men wouldn't do like i said lack of bodily care not not the best thing that i have but you know it's a cool trait <laughs> well it's funny you mentioned that because we were speaking with alistair black just a little while ago and for me finishing moves are so important still in professional wrestling I mean, they should be, but they're not necessarily in terms of how matches are booked or or how finishes are played out all the time. Did getting that move was it if it was gifted to you or whatever the case was, change you as a performer because you finally had something, or did you have something before but it just wasn't as good? Um, so I used to do. Um, man, I had tons of finishers before the eclipse happened, and I think before that I was using a top rope knee stomp which you see Sasha do it a lot right. um but when my friend said he was going to retire and he gifted me the move it was like I have to have that but I in Texas I was the big girl if that makes sense sure. I'm 5'1 so don't ask me how that <laughs> happened by any means but I was the big girl so I was powerhousing people I was power bombing I was throwing people you know left and right and when I got this move in my arsenal I was just like man like 
anybody can do this. Anybody can throw someone. Anyone can power bomb. And I'm pretty strong, you know. I can deadlift 415 pounds. <laughs> I'm not like it's weird. I know I'm five one. It shouldn't happen. But like, I I go from that to like, man, what else can I do that no one else has done? And like, I I definitely think that changed the way I wrestled in the way like i wanted to do offense like i just wanted to take risk after that it was like oh you know i'm afraid of heights and like now i dive everywhere you know <laughs> it's, it's crazy um but i just wanted to be so unique where like on the indies it's make or break and if you're not special you're just like everyone else and you're not going to get booked you're not going to put food on the table and it's crazy how that kind of transformed my life. And now because of these things, because I took all these risks, because I chose not to be afraid at certain moments, like I got the dream job. Well, you've got the NXT championship in front of us. Very impressive looking. This is a great time to, to be a female performer in WWE oh, with, yeah. with so many new opportunities, uh, inaugural matches. Now a crossover celebrity, someone like Ronda Rousey coming in, which has made big headlines. What do you think for her is, is the hardest adjustment? without having that background specifically in this in this aspect? Um, you know, in my experience on the indies and in WWE, people that have a MMA background take to sports entertainment, take to professional wrestling very quick and shockingly fast, like, um, and very easy for that matter. So I'm not too worried about someone like Ronda or Shayna for that instance, like acclimating because they already have all the steps and tools and they also have fear of no bodily harm, which is terrifying if you think about right. it. Like Ronda and Shayna are legit badasses. I hope I can say that word. Oh, but, yeah, absolutely. You know, hey, we got old face through the, through the, uh, through the PC people here. So, <laughs> so you know, um, so yeah, like look at look at how Shayna Baszler has become a threat, and Ronda is going to be the exact same, if not worse. You know, Shayna quit and wrestled a little bit um, outside of here, or trained before she got signed to WWE. She did phenomenal in the May Young Classic, and as much as I hate her, <laughs> like <laughs> you have to admit, like I have respect for her in that same aspect. So Ronda obviously has that athletic background, mm -hmm. but a huge part of obviously being a professional wrestler is the ability to cut a promo and be on the mic. And the one thing I've been trying to say about her is she's doing it. She's learning live on Raw on Monday night in front of fans. How difficult would that be? I mean, you had to do it, obviously, as well, yeah. but in front of, I guess, smaller venues in Texas. Um, but how difficult is that when you're putting yourself out there? And could you imagine for the first time it being in front of millions of people? It's it's hard. I mean, I know that that's one thing that I really struggled with on the indies was being able to talk in front of people until, like, I got the whole, like, I'm going to be a rebel. I don't care what people say. And then, like, that's how people like me. Like, talking in front of people is the hardest thing you can do as a sports entertainer because that is what kind of draws people to you or makes them run away and be like, nah, I'm out. Um it's crazy, too, because, like, I like that you brought this question up because they do a lot of press conferences for their fights all the time. So right. they know how to talk. They know how to um, like basically sell. push buttons. Yeah. But it's it's crazy because they have to learn so fast here because it's different but kind of the same at the same time. Like, look at Shayna. Like, like I said, I hate to, like, say nice things about her because <laughs> I really just want to hurt her at TakeOver tomorrow night. But, like... Look at everything that she done. She knows how to push the right buttons, and she knows how to get what she wants. And I definitely think it's going to be the same for Ronda. I definitely think that people are going to be shocked at WrestleMania when they see Ronda wrestle for the Excellent. first time. And I know a lot of people want to see her fail, but the crazy thing is a lot of people want to see her fail in the UFC world. True. But True. she proved every one of them wrong every time, and that's what she's going to do. Have you Sunday. seen her at the Performance Center? Training? I have. She, whew, 
she was punching a bag and i'm pretty sure like that bag doesn't exist anymore <laughs> i mean you've seen the clip of her training at the performance center um you know i won't go into detail because i don't want to give anything away but she's going to be ready for sunday i was gonna say fair to say you're impressed um, yeah, yeah i'm very impressed a little hey, terrified, but and we're, we're impressed by you. So yeah. thanks so much for joining us. Continued <laughs> success as the NXT Women's Champion. Thank you guys. Thank you. Nia Jack sitting down with us. WrestleMania 34 access. This is our favorite time because we get to, we get to connect with the superstars here. Nia I love Jax. it. You're not like most girls, which is a great catchphrase. All right. Thank you. And I think you've stepped up your game every time you've been given a larger opportunity. You you've reached that level. Oh. Personally, how does yes. it actually feel that you're walking into WrestleMania in a championship featured opportunity? Uh, it's it's hard to put in words because I honestly did not expect myself to be here. Of course, that's like where you strive to go. And like every time I had a match, I'm like, this is exactly where I want to be. But when it finally comes to like fruition and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going into WrestleMania in a female singles match for the title. Biggest show of the year. I mean, I'm completely blessed beyond words. How do you sort of compare, because you're such a unique character Thank you. In, in how you present that there's not a lot of, in history that you can be like, well, I want to, you know, I want to be exactly like that or I want to pull a little bit like that. You're, you're creating a, a, a new identity here, oh. which has to you be. You just give me goosebumps. Thank <laughs> you. I mean, how, how much fun is that when it's coinciding with such an important time in women's wrestling history? Yeah. You know, it, well, when I did grow up, I was, I always watched like all the amazing women and I, uh, you're right. I didn't have anybody to just kind of be like, I want to be exactly like her. I want to be exactly like that. But I think right now with, within the company and within NXT, like I was able to like grow and figure out myself and I'm still like Nia Jax is still finding herself out, but it's cool because I love to show all kinds of boys, girls, men, women, like you should always like be embrace who you are. And never allow, like, astigmatism or, like, you know, like, oh, the popular thing to define you. So I'm really excited that I get to, you know, create something different and new and hopefully continue to evolve. What I always find so interesting is you and Alexa are what WWE fans, company call homegrown talent. Yes. Didn't have experience coming in. Yes. At least entering wrestling experience. Mm-hmm. I know you did other things. Uh, frontward facing. What has it been like to go on that journey from NXT all the way to the main roster and not just by yourself, but with Alexa, both by your side BFFs. and yeah. BFFs, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Like you know, you say it. I didn't even. I didn't even think of it that way. She was. At, I, I don't know if you heard, but she actually worked my tryout. So that's where I first met her, and like we instantly kind of connected because I like harassed her until she became my friend. <laughs> but um, it's 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 really cool because you know when you walk into something so big, the the performance center is just outstanding you know i don't know if you've ever been there i'm sure you've seen like videos or whatnot it is so cool and like it was an honor to walk through those doors you know and then when you take your first bump or you're trying to like you know for do your first first flip you're like thinking like oh my gosh how am i ever gonna get to a full match for 10 minutes not let alone 30 minutes you know and it's really kind of cool because you're right we are an exact product of nxt and wwe you know and that's actually something like when I had tried out, I originally was going to go try out with, uh, I was going to go work with the Laughing Simones with Afa. And um, my cousin had actually said, he said, listen, like, you need to go actually try out for the WWE because they have their own way. They have their own special way. So when I did, thankfully, they liked me. And, you know, the rest is kind of history now. <laughs> so you've had times where you've been presented as sort of, you know, the evil heel. But yes. yet this, this specific storyline has brought you almost this, like, organic 
baby face turn love crowd just embraces <laughs> who you are. And I have to think some of that is sort of the, the mean girls, if you will, part of it, where, where at times you played the victim in this role. But do you feel a that same sudden change with the crowd where it seems like no one told them they have to start loving and embracing you, but it just seemed to happen organically? It's, you know, I... I... I appreciate the love and like the reactions that they give me, you know, it is like when you're initially a heel, you're not, it's easier to be a heel. Like I'm rather people hate me than try to get them to love me. You know, I'm, I'm the same way. If somebody tries to force me on anything, I'm like, uh, no back up. But I love the fact that our fans have reacted so well to this story because it is such a, uh, a relatable story that, you know, I, everybody at one point in their time has experienced it on either end. And, um, and I feel like this is why people are actually re- relating to it better and like reacting to it and like having such a, like kind of a, it's funny cause a lot of like young kids are like, thank you so much for actually telling the story because this is what I'm going through. Like they get to see me face my bully, you know, do you feel the pressure? Obviously WWE is in the women's was the revolution. Now it's the evolution every single month. It's the first ever X, the first ever Y WWE has not had a lot of one-on-one women's WrestleMania matches yeah. in history, especially yeah. lately. Yes. And there's two this year. Two. And you're representing the Raw brand, which some say is the big brand, the big title. That what does that feel it. like? Uh, <laughs> you just said it. You literally just said okay. it. Some. I'm some. I'm part of, I'm part of some. <laughs> um, I, how do I feel about the Raw being the... Just, just the, do you feel the pressure of the spot that you're in? Um, so I'm kind of somebody who, like, I've been an athlete since the day I could walk. You know, my dad threw me in sports with boys because he didn't want me playing. He wanted me playing just a level up, a little bit more competitive. I love and strive on anxiety and nerves and pressure just because I feel like it just makes me step up a little bit more every time. So right now, the women's division is killing it. We have two female single matches. We have an intergender match. We have a, a all women's royal uh, battle royal for the first time at, at WrestleMania. Like, it's it's like we have to continue to step it up. So the pressure of me having to like make sure that I deliver on Sunday is it's crazy, but it's great because if I didn't have it, you know, then I don't who knows where else we're going to go, you know, so it's going to be cool. You put forth a string of matches with Asuka on mm-hmm. Raw that were like pay-per-view worthy. We came out of there <laughs> going like, I almost didn't want that on Raw because I wanted to build toward it. Talk to me about working with somebody like Oscar, who, like, we're already sort of realizing this is an all-timer here. This is a special individual. Oh, yes, definitely. What are those matches like? Oh, they're great. I, you know, that chick is, she is durable. <laughs> That's all I got to say. She is very durable. I love working with Oscar. I feel like uh, a lot of, like, my my strengths come out working with her because, I know it sounds weird, but, like, I love making her look good. And it's, like, because I know as being the bigger girl, it's always like, oh, you know, work towards, like, the big girl but with Asuka I get to work towards this you know sorry excuse me badass you know she's a badass killer and she's been working for the last 15 years just like strong style in Japan and I was like heck yeah so I feel like I my my strengths come out with her and I loved I loved every minute of it I can't wait to work her again Ronda Rousey was the big one of the major storylines how hard is it for a celebrity to come into the locker room and it's not just hey I'll see you for the next few weeks. Then I'll, I'll never see you again after WrestleMania. It's I'm, I'm signing a full-time deal. Yeah. I, I need to assimilate and become one with you. I need to learn from you. I need you to help me. Yeah. Yet I've got this big reputation. Has that been hard for her at all? Um, I don't think so, personally. Like, I immediately uh, was drawn to Rhonda. Like, we started a, re- a relationship or a friendship right off the bat just because uh, 
I'm very opening. Like I'm the kind of person that, like welcomes family, welcomes people in because I want to make sure that they like. I would never want somebody to feel like they can't sit next to me and get along with me and talk to me like because we're around each other 24 7 so we got to get along but i feel like she's doing a great job like she is putting in the work and um i really can't wait to see what she does on sunday because you know all eyes on her right but she's you know she is a celebrity but she's extremely down to earth and very personable so that's cool a lot of the guys will talk about the locker room and what it's like back there but for a woman especially with an expanded women's locker room, there's more women in, on WWE's main roster than there ever has been yeah. before, it seems. What is what is it like being part of that group, that team? Do you guys feel a sense of, um, trying to think the word, just the important spot that you're in and how it relates to one another? Uh, it's Well, you know, so when I started out at NXT, I, as I was starting to, to freshly, it was like when Sasha, Bailey, Charlotte, and Becky were getting the four horsewomen on NXT, and they had like the incredible four-way they had. And then like when the three girls debuted, and then Bailey took over NXT, and I got to work with her and like learn from her. And um, it w- I, I realized that we were doing something special then. And so now I feel like it's kind of just a regular thing. Like we're always trying to like help each other out and see what we can do better next and think, oh, when, how can we change it to the next level? How, what this next match, like how we're going to be able to bring it up to this, like, to, you know, hopefully one day, like we main main event WrestleMania, you know, it's going to happen. We're, we're working towards it. You know, we're taking over the card right now. So it's like, we're going to get there. But I feel like, uh. I feel like down in NXT, we all felt that kind of specialness. You know, Triple H was really good at, like, making sure the women got so much time and that we got a lot of, like, marquee matches. And I feel like that's definitely continuing on up here. So it's kind of cool that it feels like it's just, like, a regular thing. Right. But you're right. It is. It's something Right. Where for you, it's regular. It, 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 it's not from women in the exactly, past. Exactly. No, 100%. And right. I know that. And, like, right now, it's that's what I'm saying. It's actually a really amazing thing that we're all kind of feeling. Like, it's just normal for us to go and, like, have promos and, like, matches throughout the night. You know what I mean? Like, and have multiple segments instead of before it was like a two-minute segment like that blink your eye and it was over you know were there any rea- interesting reactions you got like during raw 25 when a lot of them came back and you got to work with them or, or the royal rumble obviously where everyone oh, yeah. was all together like was there a lot of back and forth about oh man things are i don't want to say so much better now but so much diff- more different oh. and we wish we were here and we're wrestling now yeah definitely there's a lot of you know the girls like the amazing women that came back um who even said like oh man we wish that like you know, cause like it was back in the day, it was like Trish and Lita, you know, they were the, they were amazing, but like, it was just, it went to them and didn't go to everybody. And now I feel like everybody gets the chance and the opportunity to showcase themselves. But it was, uh, it was actually a back and forth. Like we were like, Oh my God, I love what you did. And they were like, I love what you're doing. <laughs> so I know that a lot of them wish that, you know, they could be here now, but they also did pave the way for this to actually happen. So without them doing that, we would have never been here. All right, we want to close with some fun here. Let's Every do it. time I see you on like a loose ride along or a Instagram segment, I feel like somebody's bringing up Byron Saxton being weird, <laughs> creepy. To you. What the heck's going on here, Nia Jax? Uh, Byron Saxton is creepy. He um, has a relationship between me and him going on in his head. Yes. Um, I'm not included in this, like personally. I am, but I'm not. He has a weird fetish with my feet. He loves to call me different different kinds of names. Samoan sweet cake, uh, twinkle toes. Like it just it goes on from there. These are Creeps Snapchat photos that need to be deleted right away when they come from in from Byron. I yeah. just get, oh, get this out. I don't even I can't respond to him. Like I barely <laughs> open up his messages. He creeps me out. Well, Nia Jax, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you're, you. You're, you're you're creating a, a new template and, and doing things that have never been done before. And it's so I much really fun to I really appreciate that. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you. Thanks. 
All right, Adam. Hey, good, good, good little taste of some of the sound we got coming out on there. You know, I mean, I, I like what I hear. Like, so the fans, the Samsonites don't know what else we have in storage, right? This is literally just a taste. We have some ridiculous interviews coming up for you over the next three weeks or next few weeks, I should say. I don't know how long it's going to last. But these three are interesting because they were all massive names this weekend. We have Johnny Gargano in what I can only consider a 4.75 star match against Tommaso Ciampa. That was just absolutely fantastic. You have Ember Moon, who did great against Shayna Baszler, and then winds up getting the call up to Raw and looked great on Monday Night Raw. And then you have Nia Jax, who we spoke to two days before she finally became women's champion in a match against Alexa Bliss, by the way, that was extremely underrated on that show, just based on everything else that happened around it. Absolutely. Uh, good good chats with them all. We, we try to keep these conversations as evergreen as possible. We'll continue to roll them out. It's good to hear, though, Johnny Gargano really give you the origin of his work opposite Tommaso Ciampa. It's become, obviously, a, a must-watch rivalry anytime they're together or, or apart or, or whatever. But, Adam, it's time to close the show by putting our hands right into that feel spot. And I know this whole category could basically become the Buddy Murphy segment because anytime Buddy Murphy does anything, this guy BC is going to pop and go nuts for it. And I want the title on him. I want him basically atop of every single card. But his run into close 205 Live during the Cedric Alexander Championship celebration, he had just won that that really strong match against Mustafa Ali on the WrestleMania undercard. When Buddy Murphy runs in, ripped to the gills. I know he's not 205, all right, but we can get past that. And he takes out Cedric Alexander with his finish. I know he bungled it a little bit right there, but when he hits Murphy's Law and sort of jumps the line in the title picture, I'm fired up, feel spot activated, because I want to see this guy become a star, and he at least acted like a straight heel, pure heel this time around. Adam, don't, don't hold back my my expectations here. This guy's going to be massive. Oh, he's great, but that's the problem. He is massive. He's not 205 pounds, so he shouldn't be in the division. Outside of that, yes, that was great, and it was actually on my list of candidates for a field spot this week, but I knew you were going to pick it. I didn't even bother going near it, okay? I have, BC, not a field spot this week. I have a field hole. There's oh, just wow. too much space wow. to fill, okay? God, and I'm going to run through them quick because I want your takes on them, right? First of all, the Kurt Angle thing that I just mentioned, the TNA shout-out, we were in that arena. That arena was... Oh, like as soon as he said it, it was such a good shot. That's old school, like watching WWE. They mentioned WCW and take a shot at them, even though it's not the same type of competition. That was so cool. Okay. The real feel spots. It's two. One, neither of them really happened on TV, which is extremely interesting. The first one, we were at that uh, WrestleCon Super Show, right? The biggest surprise of the weekend for us, or at least for me. Tanahashi comes out. Ace Tanahashi. And the crowd lost its crap. I lost my crap. We were not expecting that. That's old school, like, you're at an event or at, at a Raw. Like, Lashley showed up. All right, yeah, that was kind of a surprise. Tanahashi showing up. That was special, right? Uh, come on, that was, that, was, that, was, that was fantastic. That was arguably the highlight of the weekend. By the way, him being in the crowd at Mania was, was almost the highlight of the weekend. Along with Minoru Suzuki and Okada, apparently. I didn't right? see it because we were up in the press box during Mania, but apparently when Nicholas was found in the arena by Braun Strowman, it was kind of close to where Ace and uh, Okada were sitting. Yeah, and apparently uh, Ace was like throwing his hands in the air like, pick me, pick me. Can you imagine wow. if that happened? Wow. Man, yeah. people. Pe People would have flipped out. Here's the the real feel spot. Again, off TV. So uh, Brian's former co-worker at ESPN, he still works there, Tim Fioravanti, sitting two rows in front of us at Raw on Monday night, and the beach balls came out, right? And look, I like fun as much as the next guy. All good. The beach balls really annoy me, especially when they come out 
during a good match or during a segment that they really don't have a reason to be out during. Tim caught one out of the air, bit it, and ripped it in half, and then spit the piece of beach ball that he ripped out like on the person in front of him. I think it was I, I don't I think it was a kid. Sorry, Tim. Uh, regardless, I popped huge for it. I thought it was hysterical. That's your boy BC. Like that moment made it for me raw. I thought had, it was great. Good for him. So he had scary aggression in that moment. But I mean, I got something to say that I, I know a lot of people might not want to hear. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. This whole idea that we have to murder beach balls, people are taking it a little too far. And my man Tim, I love him. Timmy Fever's my guy. But people are out of control now at the let's mock Cesaro and let's keep the sanctity of professional wrestling that nobody could have any fun. The Raw after Mania is supposed to be out of control. Do I want 50 beach balls in the air? No. Do I want them to end up getting in the ring and interviewing, in, you know, interrupting the match? No. But have you ever been to a baseball game like in the, in the summertime and there's like a ball bouncing around and people are doing the wave? Maybe in the 70s, people would sit at MLB games and only watch the action and keep scoring their scorecards. Nowadays, people are on their phones. There's other things they need to distract them. If wrestling fans are going to hit a ball around and get excited and do chants, I get it. But let's not get like crazy angry where this is like interrupting the sanctity of what we do. We're watching pro wrestling. Like, can we all be a little like, can we have no, some fun it, here? Like, I, it's too. I don't. The anger and aggression is like, come on, guys. I don't like this take because. At a baseball game, there's so many down moments where it's there's literally nothing happening. Guys visiting the mound, you know, uh, stepping out of the batter's box. You need things to entertain you. When you're at a wrestling show, a Raw after WrestleMania, at WrestleMania watching the main event, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, that's the entertainment. You don't need other entertainment, and it is disrespectful to do this. It just, it just is. I, I don't hate it with the passion of a thousand sons, but would I prefer the beach balls not be there? Yes. So if I have the opportunity and I'm at a WWE live event and it's during a match, specifically during a match or while someone else is talking right in the ring, I am grabbing that beach ball. I'm doing exactly what Tim did. I loved it. I thought it was great. More people should do it. Let's get these marks out of here. I mean, I just look at it like you're at a rock concert. You hit a beach ball around. It's fine. You're at a Broadway show. Okay. You got to keep quiet. You can't scream the name of another actor out. Right. But I just look at it like wrestling is more like a concert. And if people want to yell CM Punk, by the way, for three hours, that's their right. They paid the ticket. It's up that's to true. the creative presenter to give a product that the crowd will not yell CM Punk for. So while, yes, it's annoying sometimes when they yell it and they try to ruin a match, give them the type of entertainment that makes them shut up. So I'm just saying, fans, have fun. You want to hit a beach ball run? And by the way, every Raw has a dark show main event afterwards where you get like an extra match. We didn't get one at the Raw after Mania, but you know what we did get? Seth Rollins and Finn Balor coming out, grabbing the mic and saying, you guys want to have a baseball party? Let's do it. See what you got. And like 20 balls came out and they headbutted them around and they they served it up. I get it. It's off camera. It's afterwards. But everybody had a great time. These guys don't seem that angry about it. I know Cesaro was because it was SummerSlam that time, but maybe we can relax a little bit. That's, that's all I got to say. I mean, we can relax on it. It's just, I think there are times where it's okay and times where it's disrespectful. And during matches, on a Raw after WrestleMania, you really don't... The entertainment is right in front of you. you they missed a pretty good Gallows-Anderson revival. The, the revival's in the ring, right? Those are your boys, Marks. Like, these are the ones that you want getting pushes. Uh, the Good Brothers, these are guys you want getting pushes. And they're in the ring wrestling, and you're hitting the beach ball around. What's more objectionable to me, however, than the beach ball, I will just say, we're going off on a little tangent here, is WWE needing, feeling like they need on the Raw after WrestleMania and the SmackDown after WrestleMania to open the show and tell fans, 
hey, by the way, you may hear some different chants here and people get cheered that don't otherwise get cheered. It's just this random, you know, weird crowd. No, no, it's it's fans telling you what they actually like and what they don't, as opposed to your normal crowds, which are parents and kids and it's Monday night and, and Raw's in their hometown. So they enjoy the product that, you're, that they're giving you. That's all it is. You don't need to dumb, try to dumb down what's going on in the arena behind you to everyone watching on TV. So I gave you a feel hole. That's a, I don't know. I don't have a name for that. You can, you guys can come up with it. Wow. Wow. This guy, Silver King. This, I was pissed. The, I was upset today. The train I, I, I didn't off, like some of this. Off the tracks today from Silver King. Way, way too fired up. Way too. But that's why we love him for the passion. You can follow him at Silverstein Adam on Twitter. Hit me up at B Campbell CBS. DM season is always open. Follow the show at In This Corner CBS. Special thanks to our guests from Radio Row this year at WrestleMania. Special thanks to that Greek Nick Costos. You know how we always like to end the show. Goodbye. Good night. Meow.